Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Talking Point, Planet F1's very own podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing the French Grand Prix. And, uh, well, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it was a good French Grand Prix. A French Grand Prix that gave us lots and lots to discuss. It's, uh, it really must be a top season. I'm your host, Vinny Crabolda, and joining me is Henry Valentine. Um, Henry, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. I mean, I, I really didn't expect us to have um, as much to talk about as we actually do. So that, that makes our lives easier. It was a great race yesterday. I know. I was expecting this to be one of the one of the duds of the season in terms of a race and a podcast, but uh, no, well, not the there's case. There's no such thing as a dud of talking point. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, it, it makes our lives a lot easier. The fact that, well, Mercedes and Red Bull kindly delivered a, a real uh, spectacular show at the front. So, um, well, that's the only place to start, really. Before we get into the race, obviously, Mercedes headed here as favourites after winning... Uh, 2018 and 2019 pretty comfortably, courtesy of Hamilton. I mean, when Verstappen took pole position, that felt like a a pretty significant moment for Red Bull, didn't it? It did. And um, in FP3, we went something like seven tenths faster than anyone else. And that that in itself just felt like a moment where you just take a step back and think, oh, okay, it's on, isn't it? Um, Verstappen just looked so comfortable in that car all weekend. I watched his pole lap as well. And like, there wasn't like, there was no correction. There was no lockup. It was just, it was just inch perfect the whole way around. And he, he just looked up for it from the off, didn't he? Yeah, in, in qualifying, he just... It, 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 he made it look pretty easy. I mean, he didn't look flustered. He didn't sound stressed or anything. He was like, oh, yeah, cool. Pole position, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, afterwards, Horner said that if Red Bull could beat Mercedes there, they could beat them anywhere. And, um, yeah, it looks like they can beat them anywhere then because that's yeah. just what Verstappen did, although it wasn't easy. Um obviously made a mistake at turn one Hamilton got ahead and at that at first Hamilton was looking fairly comfortable in the lead um you start to wonder I was just gonna you know after all is it just gonna be another Mercedes win but then 
Verstappen got him on the undercut, but then despite taking the lead, they decided to pit him again. And I mean, when they called him in for a second stop, obviously it was Barcelona, but the other way around. Um, what were your thoughts? Did you think it was a bit of a well, a good call, a bit of a risk? Um, it was, yeah. And I do wonder if um, if that was in part due to. Uh due to Lewis Hamilton coming on the radio just to make sure, <laughs> say, right, let's undercut them this time because at the first round of pit stops, um, Verstappen managed to sort of claw back a, a three-second gap and then undercut him and take the lead, which which in itself was a big surprise because um, I don't think the teams were anticipating the undercut to be as strong as it was. So um, so Verstappen took the lead again on his own merit and uh, and Hamilton was sort of urging the teams to try something different and Bottas as well, actually, but we'll, <laughs> we'll sure we'll come to that separately in a bit. Um and yeah, when when Verstappen came in, it just kind of uh, threw the cat among the pigeons. Really, um, it's almost like Mercedes didn't really know what to do with themselves. It, it, that and by the time that they'd sort of come to a conclusion, I think it was too late to pit him because otherwise Verstappen would have been uh, even further ahead. So it's um, it's not often Mercedes get caught out in strategy, but they really did. Yeah, and like you said, their drivers both wanted to come in again, so it. It does seem a bit of a strange decision. But, I mean, on the other hand, it, Verstappen did still have a lot to do, though, didn't he? I mean, he had to um, ensure that he still had strong enough pace to catch the front two. He had to make sure that he had enough tyres to last until the end. He had to, well, overtake them, which is <laughs> not that easy at Paul Ricard either. You know, I, I think this strategy was definitely the main reason that he won. But, I mean, he executed it to perfection as well, didn't he? He did. It means exactly the sort of mirror situation as Lewis Hamilton did to him in Spain, wasn't it? You know, taking the extra stop, reading him in at about a second a lap um, and having, you know, having enough within him to to be able to overtake him at the end. But I think the added dimension to that was like just how how much the tyres were degrading in France as well, because um, a lot of a lot of teams sort of anticipated just being a pretty, pretty standard one stop race. But um, the track temperature was a lot cooler um, than it was on Friday and Saturday. Uh, which could have had an impact. Uh, tire pressures were higher because of everything that happened in Baku. And then, um, you know, there was rain in the morning as well before the race. And uh, that would have probably presumably uh, cleaned up the track surface a bit. So some of the rubber that went down might not have, um, might not have stuck around. So um, that combination of factors probably led to, to tire degradation being higher. And then, um, yeah, Verstappen took full advantage by doing something different. I think what's great, with this title, obviously we've had title fights in 2017 and 2018, but I feel like in those cases, we didn't kind of every weekend get Hamilton at his best and Vettel at his best. It kind of went back and forth. You know, there'd be mistakes, particularly from Vettel in the kind of later parts of the season. Whereas at the moment with this title fight, we're getting Verstappen and Hamilton, apart from Hamilton's mistake in Baku where he accidentally hit that switch but I mean on the whole we're getting both of them driving so well I mean you know Verstappen couldn't really have done much better yesterday and I mean Hamilton he he did a a crazy good job to kind of make his ties last and still have pretty decent pace really I mean Verstappen wasn't closing that gap down as quickly as he would have hoped at the end I mean uh, it's just it's just so great to see two top drivers you know at their best going head to head yeah, exactly. And you can tell they're loving it as well. Like that, that's that's the great yeah. thing about it, that they're, they're both really enjoying the fight. And uh, yeah, it, you get the feeling that this is just going to swing back and forth throughout the rest of the season. I mean, um, we're seven races into what's meant to be a 23-race season as well. I don't know how uh, 
how much we'll be able to, <laughs> to take by the time we get to race 15 or 16 and they're still neck and neck. It'll be, uh, it'll be fantastic. And I, I'm really, really enjoying the season so far. And, um, you know, if, if races in Spain and France are good, then you know we're doing all right for ourselves this season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's got... The, I, yeah, I don't want to jinx it and get carried away, but it's got the potential to be the best title fight in a long time, you know. Yeah. Uh, since maybe, like, 2012. We've got an interesting battle, which the only other time we had was, obviously, 17 and 18. And they kind of... Well, they fizzled out in the end, really, because Hamilton got away from Vettel. Whereas here... I think what makes it interesting in, in terms of the driver's title championship fight is that uh, Verstappen is the one leading. So you've got Hamilton having to do the chasing, which, you know, if Verstappen was having to do the chasing, I'd think, you know, the, the less experienced one, the one who hasn't been in a title fight, trying to claw that back, I'd think it would be a bit difficult. But with it being the other way around, I think the dynamic is really interesting. And yeah, I just... Can't wait to see how it goes. And, I, and we've got, a, well, a proper battle for the title in the Constructors' Championship as well, which we haven't had since, God, I mean, 2010? I think. <laughs> Probably, yeah. that long, yeah. which is crazy. A good 11 years. Um, and that is, well, at the moment, Red Bull are, are leading that, thanks in large part to Sergio Perez, who got his second podium of the season. Um it is interesting on, on, on days like that. I mean, I think Perez and Bottas both drove pretty well in general. And it it does really make a difference at the front, doesn't it, when they're both there? Yeah, it does. I'm, I was quite surprised by, um, well, actually not surprised. I was, I was quite happy to see Bottas actually closer to the pace over the weekend. He, he looked quick in qualifying. And after um, the first round of pit stops, he was right on Hamilton and Verstappen's tail. But he just seemed to... Like, it just seemed to fade away a little bit, which was a bit of a shame. But um, I think props have to go to Perez, though, because, again, he managed to make his tyres last. Only did a one-stopper and um, showed that he had much more tyre life at the end to get get past Bottas, which, you know, in the context of Constructor Championship, could be could be really big towards the end of the season. And um, like, that is exactly what Red Bull want from him. You know, he's, uh, like, he's, he's looking up to speed now. He's doing a great job. And... Um, yeah, you kind of feel sorry for Bottas after all that because, uh, again, he um, he didn't really have much luck. Um, but, you know, it, it's good to see them both um, performing. I mean, I think they're about a minute ahead of Lando Norris in P5 as well. So it just showed that, that both teams were pushing each other as hard as they could on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of Perez, I think it's... I think his, you know, the, the skill he's renowned for, tyre preservation... I think that really does add a, a really interesting dynamic to the battle at the front because, you know, in terms of outright pace, he probably isn't a match for Hamilton or Verstappen um, or even Bottas yesterday, to be fair. Uh, but he makes up for that with the fact that his tyres lasted a lot longer. Um, and that ultimately, you know, brought him back well into the mix. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, it makes things really interesting. Um, in terms of Bottas, I mean... Yeah, you have to feel sorry for him. He he suggested Plan B. Very, I mean, he literally said on the radio, "I'm thinking Plan B." And Mercedes like, "Yep, good for you." And he just <laughs> completely ignored him. You know, then yeah. for the rest of the race, he's just there, like, "Yeah, my tires are done. We're not going to get a podium." And it's like their response was just like the 
It's like that Jeremy Clarkson meme, you know, where he's like, oh, no, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly, literally, they did not care. I, I think, I mean, I think they only, they only really wanted him to be a roadblock for, for Verstappen, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he, um, yeah, Bottas is still keen to win races himself. Obviously, he's, he's, he's a racing driver. He's going to want to finish as high as he can. And uh, yeah, I do feel sorry for him because I think he was on the radio pretty much earlier than anyone else saying, right, that's, yeah. it, it, this is pretty much going to be a two-stop race, make it happen. And then um, and then as soon as he got passed by Perez, you know, it was a, it was a rare show of, of public anger as well by sort of effing and blinding on the radio saying, oh, why did no one listen to me? And yeah, yeah, and you have to side with him on that, really. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, yeah, if they listen to him, then I, I do wonder, I mean... I don't know. I'm not sure if you you get this, but I really don't. Why didn't they just split strategies? What did they have to lose by putting one of them? Was it literally they didn't want to have for Verstappen to have a clearer route to win? It would. They literally sacrificed Bottas' strategy just to try and block Verstappen, which I mean, it's crazy in itself. Because when a driver's got fresher tires and DRS, there's nothing that you're going to be able to do really. So, yeah, I really don't understand why they didn't go you know split their strategies put put Bottas on a two-stop and Hamilton on a one-stop yeah and with both drivers at the front as well that gives you that flexibility to be able to do that but Mercedes just didn't you know they just didn't really take the initiative on that and as I've said before it's, it's very rare that Mercedes get outdone on strategy but I think they really shot themselves in the foot in France you know it was um yeah, and and Red Bull took took full advantage, and you got you got to give him credit for that. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the side of Nico Rosberg here either, calling Valtteri Bottas's defence rubbish against uh, against Verstappen because like Bottas was on the radio saying how you know how done his tyres were, and uh, uh, yes, he did run deep at the chicane and made made life a lot easier for Verstappen than he could have done. But I reckon you know he probably would have only got one more lap before he was overtaken anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, the same thing happened with Hamilton. Hamilton. I mean, you know, Bottas did keep Verstappen behind on the straight, which Hamilton didn't do. It's just in sacrifice, he then went off at the uh, too deep into the corner. But yeah, I don't think there was anything he could have done, really. Um, but I mean, looking at the title fight, when you look at Barcelona, you look at here, I mean, they're two pretty evenly matched teams, aren't they, really, in terms of, you know, in terms of strategists, in terms of drivers, in terms of the, the car generally. I mean... It's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty uh, even fight. Which is great. I mean, like Hamilton uh, came out after the race and said that the Red Bull were just getting a bit too quick. But I, I do wonder if that's just sort of the mind games that he's trying to play, really. He's um, uh, he's managing to, to drag the very most out of himself and that car. And, um, you know, I think, this again, this, this really bodes well because... Um, I don't know how many more upgrades both teams are going to be bringing, but um, as, as Toto Wolff said over the weekend, he's uh, like they're, they're still trying to find that balance with how much to uh, give to the 2021 car without sacrificing their competitiveness in 2022 20, and beyond. And that's um, that's going to be one of the the really big dimensions of this fight, I think, as we head further into the season, especially after the summer break. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, development's going to be huge. Um, development of the engine as well, because here arguably for the first time we had the red bull have fairly comfortably better straight line speed than the mercedes um which is a bit of a surprise really you know you didn't really expect honda to get to get the jump on them in that department so that that could be huge you know that's always been mercedes's strength but if red bull have that now then you kind of wonder 
where can Mercedes actually be dominant again? Yeah, true. I mean, uh, both Red Bulls took new power units this weekend, but Honda has shown massive improvements from the, the so-called GP2 engine from a few years ago. And yeah, that, that adds another dimension. And, um, and Christian Horner admitted um, sort of being surprised at, at Mercedes sort of changing, uh, changing chassis, changing tack so early in the season, which, um, you know, with durability normally being their, their, their big strength. And um, I don't know if it's Mercedes sort of falling back or everyone else catching up, but it, it does feel like a much more level playing field now. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Um, well, we'll get into, you know, what happens next, you know, what's going to happen in Austria in a second. But, uh, well, before we do so, let's just run through other teams on the grid. Um, I think looking, looking down the finishing order, the, the, the well, the, maybe the team that enjoyed the best day, except Red Bull perhaps, was McLaren with uh, Norris and Ricardo finishing P5, P6. And really, it was the first time this season that they had both drivers performing as well as they could. Um, and I mean, it's a pretty formidable duo when they're both, uh, when it, you know, they're both on top of their game. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I'm really pleased to uh, see Daniel Ricciardo more in the fight as well. In that first in in particular, he looked really racy and that's probably the, um, like the most up for it in terms of the race he's, he's looked at McLaren. And uh, like ultimately I, I think full props have to go to Norris as well, because he was left out quite a bit longer and um, he somehow managed to eke his tires out. And that ultimately, probably gave him the uh the uh, the chance to be able to jump ricardo in the end which uh which he managed to do and uh i think that's a big weekend for mclaren as well especially where ferrari has so much trouble in the race um getting 18 points and jumping back ahead of them in the constructors will be huge for them especially considering uh on saturday at least they didn't look like they had very strong pace you know norris qualified p8 ricardo p10 um and that was kind of but you know the Alpine drivers didn't exactly nail their laps as well. You kind of thought that in terms of the pecking order, McLaren were, you know, nowhere near kind of best of the rest. So uh, yeah, to deliver like that is huge. And I mean, they've got a pretty comfortable lead to Ferrari in the in the constructors now. Um, we'll take a look at that in a sec. But yeah, looking at Ferrari, uh, there was one point where Leclerc had pitted early and pulled off the undercut on a few drivers, including Ricardo, And I thought, my God, if Ferrari got their strategy right for once. <laughs> uh, yeah, that went well, didn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, he, he jumped three drivers at once, which, um, you know, he pitted, I think, three laps earlier than Ricardo, and he managed to get, yeah, he managed to get all of them, but he just couldn't make those tyres last. And um, yeah, we, we did have sort of green shoots of thinking, oh yeah, Ferrari have done well on this, and then turns out not. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a real shame because like qualifying P5 and P7, they look quick. Um, Carlos Sainz in particular really quick all weekend but just just did the race they just got swallowed up didn't they yeah it was a weird one because again in terms of pace I think they were fine I mean Sainz stayed in P5 in the opening stages I think for most of the most of the first stint really um, it just, I mean like yeah in terms of speed I don't think there was issues it was just that tyres um, that car that seems to just completely destroy its tyres um, which which led to them obviously both tumbling out out of the points pretty spectacularly. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a concerning weakness to have, I think, in a season where the Pirelli tyres have been playing such a big part. It is, yeah, they uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Pirelli themselves. I mean, we've we've covered them loads, but um, it's it's a little bit troubling for Ferrari that you know a, a change in pressure has seen them pretty much eat their tires up so much faster and um you know coming away completely pointless is 
you know that that's that's a worrying sign. And um, and Leclerc said after the race that he's um, that he's worried that that's going to continue in Austria as well. So they're going to have to get their heads around it pretty quickly if they're going to get back on it. I think. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me a bit of uh, Haas a few years ago. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember which year it was, 2019 maybe, where the car wasn't actually that terrible, but they just could not figure out how to get the tyres working on them. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is only one race for Ferrari. It could just be a one-off. Um, in terms of other, other drivers in the top 10, uh, standout was Pierre Gasly, which I feel like Again. I say... Yeah, I feel like I say <laughs> that in every single episode, to be honest. I mean... What a season he's having! I think, except from Norris, he's you know outside the top teams. Gasly's probably been the most impressive, hasn't he? He has, yeah. I I, I can't disagree with that. He's um, he's done so well this season, and um, he again just looked to completely have the run over Yuki Tsunoda again. I Me, mean, don't get me wrong, Tsunoda crashed out in Q one again, but um like Gasly just looks like he has stepped up so much and um full credit to him he he, uh, he said in an interview with Sky Sports before the race that he he still hopes to to get that Red Bull drive back one day I mean don't get me wrong Perez is doing a great job but if um if for whatever reason his standard slip then I'd say Gasly's probably first in the queue now yeah yeah I mean I think if it was on driving alone he probably would have got that seat last season but there's um personal things there apparently people that don't red bull don't like him much god knows why According i wonder to who. anyway yeah <laughs> uh, i mean yeah he's just so consistent he's like norris in that sense and every race they both seem to just be up there whatever happens just doing their job not really making any mistakes and i mean he's single-handedly dragging alpha tari into the fight for like well a p5 in the standings really because i mean He's not getting any help from his teammates, Moda. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it really is. It really is a, a top season from him. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we were kind of expecting him to end up at Alpine next year, which hasn't happened. Ocon's got a contract renewal, but um, three years, three years, three. yeah, it's a long one. But I mean, looking at the performances, you know, obviously Gasly got uh, P seven. Ocon didn't score points, had Alonso beating him all weekend. I don't know. I, we won't get too much into this, but no. a bit of a rash decision, maybe? Um, maybe. I think, I think three years is probably a bit too long on Alpine's part. I mean, Ocon himself said he, he's never had a three-year contract in any form of motorsport before. And um, don't get me wrong, he started the season like really, really well, but I... Uh, I do hope that he's able to carry that on like for his own sake. Cause if not, then, you know, Alpine might wonder if they jumped the gun slightly, especially with a, a driver like Gasly potentially on the market for them. But I think um, it, now that Alonso's up to speed, I think that'll be uh, a factor in, in how he's, he's viewed towards the end of the season. I mean, don't get me wrong. He had, he had comfortably the beating of Alonso in the, in the first few races, but uh, I can see that sort of swinging back Alonso's way now. And um, I think it's up to Ocon to just justify why he's been given that, that security for the next few years. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Because obviously Ocon, he did have the beating for Alonso in the first kind of five, five rounds of this season, fairly comfortably as well. But I look at it now and I'm starting to think, was that Alonso just not quite being up to speed rather than Ocon being really good? Because... In the last two races, Alonso has beaten Ocon. Um, and I mean, this weekend, he was kind of, he was ahead of them all weekend, wasn't he? He, 
outqualified him. He was ahead in practice generally. Um, and he was a long way ahead in the race. I mean, he finished P8 and Ocon finished well outside the points. I think P, P13 maybe. P14 in the end, P14, yeah. P14, yeah. I mean, six positions difference. It's, uh, yeah, you do start to wonder if that was just Alonso being off the pace at the start. But um, I mean, regardless, isn't it, isn't it great to see him in the form that he's in now? It's a real, it's a real relief to see that he definitely does still have it. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I mean, it obviously takes a bit of time to get out to speed. And um, I think it would, I think it was a little bit longer than he would have liked as well. But um, now he looks back to the Alonso that we, we kind of knew anyway. And, uh, you know, comfortably inside the points of both drivers um, said completely different things after the race. Because um, Alonso said on the second stint, his tyres, um, in his words, came alive. And he was able to... Um, to really keep his pace up. And uh, at the end, he was uh, trying to challenge Gasly and, uh, and Ricardo further ahead, uh, but couldn't, you know, couldn't quite get close enough in the end there. And, uh, and Ocon just said he, he was just going backwards. Um, so it was just completely contrasting fortunes on probably what was um, a very similar strategy for them. Completely different, really. I mean, yeah, like you said, Alonso had some strong pace at the end. He was pretty confident that he could, he could get Gasly. Obviously he never did, but, even so, it's still three points is still a good haul. Um, made slightly worse by the fact that that, that their rivals uh, in Aston Martin also scored three points, though. Um, I mean, yeah, Alonso's not he's not the only uh, former world champion starting to impress in the midfield car, is he? Because I mean, Vettel's uh, with every week that passes, he's starting to look well better and better in that in that Aston, uh, which which feels like a bit of a relief, to be honest. Um, he's yeah, he's he's done really well in the last few races. Um, right. And I think credit has to go to Lance Stroll as well, you know, because he um, he was on a really good recovery driving Baku, obviously before uh, before his tyre failure. But but in France, um, started P19 again. I mean, like maybe slightly of his own doing because his um, his first time lap got deleted because he uh, he went past track limits. But but then again, no one's gonna gonna see a red flag coming <laughs> twice to to sort of get to stop him from uh, from getting out of Q1. But going from P19 uh, to P10, and both Aston Martins going long into the race as well before they stopped on um, on tyres that pretty much everyone else was complaining about. I think that bodes well for them to be able to have both cars go forward in the field. Like Stroll was the big movie yesterday, gaining in nine places. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's a really good sign for them. Yeah, definitely. I think Stroll does deserve a lot more credit for for that drive i mean starting p19 finishing p10 is that's a pretty monumental effort you know gaining nine positions in a car that isn't is decent but not rapid you know it's not like a mercedes or a red bull or something and uh yeah i mean it didn't really i don't really i don't really remember it being mentioned once and i feel oh. like if that was i feel like if that was lando norris um People would be going crazy about it, you know, which, yeah, I think Stroll, you know, maybe, you know, obviously a difficult situation that he, he has a, a dad that owns the team and ensures that he has a seat. But I mean, in terms of driving, I think, I think both of them are starting to to perform actually. And it's, um, that's starting to look like a, a pretty, pretty strong lineup. There was a point this year where I thought this was going to be maybe the weakest lineup in the midfield, but I mean... I don't know, all through it's looking quite strong now, isn't it? You're just waiting for Sonoda to kind of get get to grips with things. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, um, like, you're right, Stroll definitely does deserve like, more credit than he's been getting. And, it's, yeah, it's it's very easy to, to get a bad rep for having your your dad literally own the team. But, um, you know, he's he's been he's been justifying his, uh, his seat this season, I think, like, overall. He's, um, he's done pretty well for himself. And one thing that I do think Aston did that was quite clever is they, I mean, they looked really slow during practice, but that's because they were sort of prioritising... Um, running on the medium tire and the hard tire. And I think that really paid dividends for them because they were able to, to learn about the harder compounds and, and, you know, ultimately go deeper into the race and that's what got them points in the end. So I think they, um, I think they played the whole weekend really well. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Cause I think in terms of pace, they weren't, they weren't a top 10 team really. Um, I think, yeah, in terms of pace, they were probably below Ferrari, McLaren, AlphaTauri, Alpine. So yeah, yeah it, was, it was a really good effort to get double points. And, um, yeah, I mean, looking at the wider context then of the standings, before we look in the midfield, I mean, going to the top, you've got Verstappen with a pretty hefty lead over, over Hamilton. Um, you've got Red Bull with a pretty hefty lead over Mercedes. Next two races, two in a row at Austria, Red Bull's home track, where they've been strong in recent years. I mean, things are looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, no, things things are looking pretty rosy for them. I mean, like twelve points feels like a like a big gap, but that can like that can be gone in an instant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it could have easily been overhauled in Baku for but for uh, for break issues for Hamilton, obviously. But I think yeah, thirty seven points clear they are in the constructors' championship, and that's like that's a big gap. I mean, Bottas is still behind um, still behind Norris in the, in the uh, in yeah. the drivers' championship too. So. Um, I it's, don't get me wrong. He's had such bad luck, but he needs to to buck up his ideas soon. I think uh, he can't afford to have more weekends like Baku, and, um, and well, a expect to keep his seat, and b um, expect to help Mercedes win the constructors again. I think um, I think Red Bull have really got themselves sorted in that area now. They've got Perez alongside Verstappen. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one with Verstappen, but it kind of feels like he's this is an audition for other seats for next year now, which. Is maybe a bit harsh, but I mean, reports will suggest that Russell's going to be going to Mercedes. So it does kind of feel like Bottas is, uh, you know, his job is kind of to show other teams that, that he's good enough to deserve a shot with them, which is a bit, of a, a bit of a weird one. But I mean, yeah, like you said, the priority is still obviously the Constructors' Championship in, the, in that regard. Um, and yeah, midfield, McLaren of, I mean, I didn't expect them to be leading Ferrari, but... Uh, yeah, they, they they made a big jump in in France. Uh, going forward there, yeah, they obviously got a podium. Um, well, to be fair, both teams got a podium in a, at the Red Bull Ring last year. So, uh, yeah, that one I'm really... You know, it's a tough one to call, isn't it? You kind of feel like that... If it was a bit like racing point against McLaren last year and that you've got Ferrari do have the, the, the faster car in general in terms of outright pace, but McLaren... They tend to always kind of get everything out of their races, I think, don't they? Uh, yeah, especially in recent years. I think um, like their progress has been uh, one of the sort of positive stories in Formula One over the last few years, especially after the um, the sort of <laughs> debacle of um, like the early Honda days. And uh, it's good to see them competing again. And they 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 know exactly what they're doing in that team, and I think that that bodes well for them. And uh, in in a circuit in Spielberg that's that's got really fine margins as well. I mean, there's um, we've got all these circuits now that are sort of really tight, really technical, and the and the gaps can end up being being quite large between the teams. But um, like, but 
I think Spielberg's good in the sense that it's a much more sort of, like, in quote marks, simple circuit to drive, and it's it's only quite short. It's quite a short lap, so I think the I think the pole time last year was about like sixty three seconds ish, yeah. um, and it worked really well in Sakir last year as well with the with the lap that was under a minute. It, it showed that the um, that the cars are able to sort of compete much more closely, and I think uh, that bodes well for for two races there. But where where those gaps are a lot smaller. I think um, you know that can that can lead to some really good racing. Yeah, I mean, one pit stop error and you're in trouble, really, with the track that that's short. Um, and yeah, you don't see McLaren make pit stop errors. You don't see them make strategy errors in general. I'm sure they have, but not 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 too often, really. So yeah, it's it's looking good for them. But I mean, yeah, double header in Spielberg. It's uh, it's exciting, and uh, I mean, not 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 to get anyone's hopes up or to jinx it, but I looked at the weather forecast, and it's meant to rain next weekend. So <laughs> you know, I mean, we haven't we 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 didn't get it in France. Maybe we'll get it this time. Oh God, um, yeah. Hope hopefully. I mean, don't get me well. Wet qualifying last year was good, wasn't it? I mean, Hamilton uh, going faster than anyone else. But I think I think he was over a second faster than anyone else in the wet um so you know that that opens up a, a lot of different avenues but i mean we we thought we needed rain france to actually make it a good race but it turns out it was all right without it but you know if <laughs> if uh if that happens again in austria then great you know if we get a race like that i'm happy either way it doesn't matter what the weather is yeah yeah i mean we've got two races in a row there so we've got a chance we've got a good chance of getting at least one good race maybe some rain uh maybe even two good races who knows um well, that's just about everything for today. As I'm sure you're aware at this point, another race next weekend and then another race the weekend after that. So, uh, yeah, we'll be here covering that. Um, I won't be here for the next episode as I'm going to be at the Euros, which is exciting. Um, but, yeah, but, but Henry will be. Um, and, uh, well, yeah, thanks for coming on today. <laughs> no problem at all. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, then be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And in the in the short few days before we get underway again with our race weekend coverage, then yeah, you can keep an eye on uh, the website planetf1.com for all the latest news and features. Our Twitter's planet underscore f1, um, and our Facebook is simply planet f1. So yeah, you can find find us in all those places, and you'll uh, well you'll find us here again next week. So see you soon. Bye. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.